This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by Intuit, the technology platform that brings financial confidence with products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. You might have learned the recorder in school, but probably not how to navigate the financial world. Luckily, Intuit's on a mission to help with the free Intuit for Education program. It provides students with the lessons to learn essential skills, like how to build credit, file taxes, and budget. Check out their free resources at intuit.com slash education. Are we going to be goofing off like this every day? Uh, we're not goofing off. We're creating musical fusion. Well, um, are we going to be creating musical fusion every day? Yeah, get used to it. And hello, welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave. I'm one of the two hosts of this humdinger of a podcast. And I'm Rich, and I'm the other host of this humdinger of a podcast. Think of me as Obi-Wan to Dave's Anakin Skywalker. I'm the bearded Jedi Master, and he's slowly drifting to the dark side. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And of course, we often drift off and talk about other things, not just movies, but all sorts of things in life in general, really. We should also point out we do love dropping big spoilers. So if we mention a film that you haven't seen and you don't want spoiled, go play your favourite album. You know, just put it on for a few minutes, enjoy it, then come back. And we'll be back because in today's episode, we are joined by Harley Mumford. Harley is a wonderful podcaster. He is the man responsible for the Fundamentals podcast, which me and Dave have both been lucky enough to be guests on. He's a brilliant guy and I know you're really going to enjoy this episode. Yeah, we were very excited to sit down with Harley and speak all things sequels with him. These are Harley Mumford's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. <laughs> Harley, do you remember the first sequel you saw or a sequel you've got really excited about before release? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm. For, for me, can I cheat and have two as an answer? Because they're kind of close together. So for me, the two that stand out that I remember being really excited for, it would be Spider-Man 2 and Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, I think would be the two. I know they're quite close together. I think they're within a year of each other, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, just I remember those two very vividly because well, they were the two biggest things in my life at that time, you know, Spider-Man and Star Wars. And <laughs> yeah, I remember just getting really excited for both of those. And it was sort of at that time when you just had a lot of extra stuff as well around you, know, you had the, the video games you had the, the, all the toys and the uh, the novelizations all of that stuff i just remember just really delving into it and just being extremely excited when the movies came out yeah were you first day show-ins kind of guy uh, 
probably not at that age. I don't think I would have had the pull over my parents. I think it was just like, you go and you go kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but actually, actually saying that, I think with Revenge of the Sith, I remember it being a packed out cinema. And I think my dad, bless him. Yeah, he. I think he made the effort to go on the opening weekends and took me along. I think he'd already seen it ahead of time, actually, because I think it was the first Star Wars, it was a 12, wasn't it? It's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's quite and, dark. And yeah. Even though I, my dad was like, I'm sure it'll be fine. I think he's a responsible parent. I thought, I'll, I'll go ahead just to sort of double check because I was quite young at the time. And yeah, he was like, yeah, it'll be fine. And, and then I saw a man in flames at the end of a movie <laughs> screaming and was like, oh, this is fine, I guess. Rick showed it to his six-year-old the other day, so... <laughs> Hey, 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 whoa. Is he seven whoa. now? He's seven now. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, to be fair, as well, like, I, I saw Spider Man 2 the year before, and that has a scene where, like, robot arms come alive and just attack a lot yeah. of people. And, you know, so, yeah, there's a lot of terrifying stuff in kids' films when you sort of look back at it. It's, <laughs> it's fine. fine. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not emotionally scarred. It's fine. It's sure. <laughs> so, how old were you when you, when you went to see that? It's amazing. Because me and, Jake, oh, yeah, me and me Dave were at so, university. So. <laughs> so I was born in 94, so I probably would have been just over 10. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're old. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember not going to see Revenge of the Sith early. I think I was quite mm. went to see it quite late on. I think I was okay. about I was like three people in the cinema when I went to really? watch it. Really? That late on? <laughs> Were you burned out then? Yeah. You burned out by the uh, previous two? Uh, yeah, burned out by the previous two. I think we were really busy. We were in a really busy like project time at uni. I can't remember. Okay. And I think it just all got like it just all got pushed back and yeah, I just remember going to see it in a pretty much empty Was cinema. it in Cheltenham, Rich? Um, when you saw it? Yeah, it was in Cheltenham, yeah. Ah, not far from me. Okay. I remember cool. seeing yeah. Spider-Man 2 at a midnight screening because mm. I worked at a bowling alley at this time and the cinema was above us and they let us go to their, their where they, they played the films at 12 o'clock at night to check the reels so we gave them free bowling and they let us come to these free films so I 12 o'clock midnight Ooh. it was awesome uh, like two weeks before it came out as well so Spider-Man 2 I was like bigging it up for like two weeks I was like it is great guys you're gonna love it it's so much better than the first That's- that's really cool. That's a pretty sweet deal. I like that. I saw a lot of early films that way. I saw Eight Mile. Mm, okay. Two Towers. I watched it at 12 o'clock at night and then I went back the next day when it got released and saw it at the first screen at 10 o'clock. Whoa. X-Men 2 I saw. That was a good one. A bad one I saw Ooh. was Bulletproof Monk. That was not worth staying up until like three in the morning to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrible, Harley. It's bad. Oh, okay. It's very oh, bad. It, it's truly <laughs> awful. Oh, God, I hate that film. <laughs> so, so so how are your feelings of those two films now? Oh, yeah. I mean, looking back, I, I love both of them. I mean, the, the Spider-Man 2 in particular is is a classic. I think everybody looks back at it now quite favourably. It's mm. it's a funny one because I re-watched all of the Spider-Man films last year with my wife and we're watching it. And I was just thinking, like, this is quite deep for a superhero film. It's, it's almost like an existential drama that just happens to have Spider-Man mm. in it. Yeah. You know, like it's it deals with themes of identity and you know and the fact that he has this the moment uh what was it this the famous spider-man line uh, spider-man no more you know that that comic book run it's mm. it's quite bold for a filmmaker to to do that in a superhero movie you know you can imagine there might have been a bit of pushback but but it's great you know and of course when um doc Ock turned up in no way <laughs> home i was just thrilled to bits you know it was sort of just yeah maybe sort of relive that whole thing all over again 
Yeah, it's brilliant. Dare I ask about Star really Wars? Because so, you're, you're that age no, I, that the, mm. the prequels are good and people mm. enjoy them. Yeah. So for me, yeah, I, you're absolutely right, Dave. I'm a child of the prequels. You know, my my first, one of my first cinema experiences, I'm sure, was Phantom Menace. I remember seeing that. And while I, I imagine there were many people like yourselves coming out of the cinema thinking, what was that? I'm so confused. <laughs> I was, you know, running around doing cartwheels and just, you know, being like, oh, it's so good. Jar Jar Binks is hilarious. Hilarious, you know, just I was a kid, so I was having a great time, and and same with Attack of the Clones, and yeah, and by the time you get to Revenge of the Sith, like I really enjoyed it, and I still do, you know. I still, it's funny again. I did a rewatch of, of the Star Wars films in lockdown, and yeah, I have a fondness for them. I, I can see they're technically not the best, and there's definitely mm. a lot of problems with them. But the third one in particular, I think it, it definitely stands above the other two. And it's uh, to sort of shamelessly plug my own podcast for two seconds. I recently did a Star Wars episode, and previous guests of our show, of my show and your show, mm. uh, Jordan King. Yeah, he he brought out in the show, and I, I put it in the podcast that he loves that movie as his favorite one. And yeah, just all the things he said about it, I thought were really nice. That it's kind of like this, almost like a Shakespearean like epic drama. It has it has the most amount of drama out of all of the films. It has the most amount of action as well. Mm-hmm. And the thing with both of those movies, I got them on the DVD and I rewatched them endlessly. It was sort of when you had all the bonus stuff as well. And I used to comb through all of it. And episode three stands out to me actually as having one of those documentaries that really got me interested in filmmaking and helped me to appreciate how much work goes into it. So uh, I'm sure people listening, you can probably find this on YouTube. It might even be on Disney Plus now, but it was on the DVD mm-hmm. when I had it. Uh, it was, there was this behind the scenes documentary. I think it was called within a minute or something like that and essentially is basically as the title suggests they took a minute of the film i think it was the final duel between anakin and obi-wan and it showed you how much work went into that one minute of footage and it was incredible i remember as a kid watching that and going oh wow i had no idea that there was all of this there's the choreography there's the set design there's people that do hair and makeup and dress and there's even like catering sound effects music all this stuff that goes into just making a minute of film and yeah it's, it's sort of i definitely look at that and that whole experience and that film and all of that stuff is something that really opened my eyes up to, to cinema a lot more. The, the Star Wars extras are awesome. The The Phantom Menace making yeah. of are still a mm. highlight to me because there's points where George Lucas yeah. is like, if we get Jar Jar right, this is going to be crazy good. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, doesn't he say, I think quite famously in that, that he, he was saying about how you can go too far mm. and he doesn't want to go too far. And then there's a minute after watching it where he goes, I've gone too far. <laughs> And it's on film, and it's like, oh, yeah. it's so great. Yeah, they're worth <laughs> have we have we made him a hideous racial stereotype? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's too late. It's coming out in three weeks. You know what? I think I think it's going full circle, Jar Jar. I think he's getting really people accepting him a lot more now than they. There was a yeah. time when he he took the whole flack, basically that poor actor, oh, uh, yeah. Armored Best, took the whole flack for yeah. Phantom Menace, and that's unfair yeah. because he's not the worst thing in it i don't think he's not the only reason he's he does what he he got told to do harley what what is your best sequel ever so my best sequel ever is currently my favorite film and it's one that's come up on this podcast a few times as a surprising uh sequel which i completely agree with it's blade runner 2049 nice choice I adore this movie. It's so good. It's <laughs> so good. And it doesn't have the right to be either. It's the... Oh, where to begin? I mean, well, I'm curious, what are your guys' relationships with the Blade Runner God, franchise? Look at you hosting. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's muscle <Yeah>. memory. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think me and Rich slightly differ on this one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I like Blade Runner. I don't think there's anything. I can mm-hmm. see why people get really excited about it, but it, it, it hasn't made the connection that it has to other people. Other, like Blade Runner fans sure. are very committed to Blade Runner. They they love it. And they you, you say a bad word to it and they, they come after you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and they don't understand like how yeah, how, how, yeah, how do you not like it it's like <laughs> it's so pretty and the, the and it was so ahead of its time I'm like yes it was it just I just think it's a bit of a drag sometimes <laughs> now Rich on the other hand <laughs> I love it I love Blade Runner but then I think okay. maybe I saw it earlier than you did and maybe it was I think I was about 12 when I when I saw it oh wow so yeah I was it was made really, a big impact I was then. really young yeah I know mm. I loved it I absolutely it's the first time I I think I'd seen something noiry like that. You know, mm. I hadn't seen a dark, gritty kind of noir film like that before. And yeah, yeah, I just absolutely loved it to pieces. And then I got kind of slightly, slightly into kind of film noir and got my grand to take me to watch old black and white movies at the cinema. Mm. So yeah, that was really what cool. What version? Which version awesome. should I be watching, Harley? Because I'm. It's got to be the, the final cut, yeah. really, the director's final. It's, it's the best one. I mean, contrary to the Star Wars thing of going back and, you know, adding and taking and ultimately just making an absolute mess of it, you know, the Ridley Scott cuts do the opposite. He kind of cuts out a lot of the stuff that I think really would have hindered the original Blade Runner in cinemas because I know it didn't do super well critically. And I can understand why, because it's it's one of those books. I don't know if you guys have ever, I'm assuming, Rich, you've read the book, have you? No, I haven't, no. I've you haven't? Read the book, oh, right? Call yourself a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I like the movie. I'm not going to read a book. <laughs> I, I know. I'd encourage it. Genuinely, the book uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is really solid. Philip K. Dick's an amazing writer. And so it's it's one of those, though. It, it's a hard book to adapt, I think, you know, mm. kind of like, like June. June is another example. Yeah. Kind of the same filmmaker. You know, there's so much to it. It's really dense. And you need someone like a Denny Villeneuve, for example, who gets the core of what the film's about, who understands what it is and adapts it. So when you're looking at the original, Ridley Scott understood... I think the central themes of the book and sort of really focused in on that. And yeah, the the final cut definitely has the best version of it because it gets rid of the weird narration, which was a bit of a noir trope that I think they threw in because they thought, oh, this might help people understand what's going on. Mm. But you don't need it. You don't, you don't, it's irrelevant. You know, we get enough from context. We get enough from the way the characters behave. You know, Mm. the acting does a lot of the heavy lifting. You just need to have confidence in it. And see, I think when he finally got around to doing that, I think it's 2007 that one came out. Yeah, all the right pieces come together. Sorry, it's a very long-winded way of saying, yeah, watch the final cut. It's <laughs> it's the best one. It's the most accessible. I think I agree with what, you. Yeah. What age were you when you first watched Blade Runner? So I was really late to the game on this. So it was ooh, maybe five years ago. Big shout out to Skip to the End, guys. Ben, who's on that show, is just a massive Blade Runner fan. And like a lot of those films that guys talked about, I thought, oh, I'll get around to watching this. And I knew it'd be up my street because I knew I liked AI. I like mm. science fiction. It's a huge genre for me. And so, yeah, I just sat down and watched it one day and I got the final cut, the DVD. I was blown away. I just thought, like, how have I not seen this sooner? This is phenomenal. This is like everything that I love in, in you know, science fiction, AI in particular, the whole like meditation on what it means to be human and life and mm. the tears and rain speech and all this stuff. I've just, it's the kind of you stuff I You can see so like, how many films have taken up. from it as well. I, I, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. This was it. I was watching it as well. Like, and yeah, you're right. The score is incredible. The, the visual side of it, all of that, you look at it and you go, oh, I now know where every dystopian film yep 
ever has got its aesthetic <laughs> from. Like they've just ripped this movie off yep. shamelessly and you're like, okay. And, and it, do you want, it's an incredible feat because you look at it, this film came out in the 80s. Like it just, like so many films like then, like Star Wars, like, you know, I guess uh, Terminator, Alien, you know, all the big sci-fi hits at that time. They just had a look and a style and they just set the high and everyone else yeah, just yeah, copied yeah, them yeah. since. Yeah. Mm. And so Blade Runner is one of those movies that, yeah, uh, to your point, Dave, it's like, it's become a cult classic. It's, you know, has a diehard fandom. There's so much stuff baked into this movie that when you then turn around and say, we're going to do a sequel 30 years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> are you sure? And I think at the time I was vaguely aware of Denny Villeneuve as a, as a filmmaker. I think I'd seen like Prisoners and Sicario and I was like, okay, I really like this guy. I like what he's all about. And I thought, well, he doesn't strike me as the type to just do a sequel for the sake of doing it. And it's not a cash mm. grab because... Well, <laughs> it wasn't I mean, any cash the first time. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's all, this must be a passion project. So he must have some idea of what he wants to do with it. So I went into the cinema just kind of open-minded and like, okay, we'll see what's going to happen. I wasn't expecting it to be better than the original because I thought it's hard to beat. And it's been, as I said, re-edited and redone so many times. It's like, yeah, you're gonna, you've got an uphill battle here. But I'm not exaggerating when I say that within the first... 10 minutes i was mm. fully on board i was just sold and i just thought i think this might be as good as the original i don't know and it just kept getting better and better and by the end of the two hours i was just in awe of what i'd just seen and was like not only do i think and people might think this is controversial but not only do i think that was better than the original it might be my favorite film i had to sit and think about it for ages and then and it came out and i just got it and I, it's one of those films i watch it's, it every it's year beautiful. I'm just, it's beautiful it's stunning it's so good it, you, you're absolutely right is that the sort of, i was so nervous to see it i genuinely mm. thought it's going to be awful like yeah. there was there's no way you could do a sequel to blade runner 30 years later and it actually be any good mm-hmm. and oh my god <laughs> yeah we were wrong um so like, wrong so there's, there's so many aspects to it as to what make it so good so yeah i guess first off as you say dave like it's the number one thing that stands out no. the visual side of it i mean we said it the original blade runner is a template for all kind of future dystopian sci-fi films so how on earth can you match up with that you get roger deakins that's how <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've said this so many times, people who know me, this is a bit of a, a cliche of mine, but I, the thing I like to say about that movie is you could take a screen grab from any moment of this film and it's mm. a poster. Like, mm. it's just a work of art. He has thought about every frame of that movie. And that in itself already makes it a great cinematic experience. It already makes it a great tribute and a great follow-on to Blade Runner. So you think, okay, you've got the visual side of it down fantastic like and even all the costumes and everything else the design brilliant okay you follow it goes further as well it's not just like blade runner is in is in its small contained Mm -hmm. dark neon environment yeah and then this movie takes you further and shows you more of the world yeah you know it makes sense like every layer every place that you visit you go oh yeah i could i could totally see that like a big orange desert Mm. yeah makes sense you know there's a big junkyard yeah makes sense there's you know different corners of the city there's I even think the the sort of bit towards the end, there's a big fight with Kay and Love and it's all in the rain and it's by that sort of dock. It's like a big dam. Mm, Beautiful. All makes sense. Like you say, so the visual side of it, massive tick, you've done it. And uh, also, incidentally, it got Roger Deakins his Oscar at long last. About time. About time. And you think, yeah, makes 100% sense. Fine. Then there's the music, you know, and the score. I think it's a two-part score. I'd have to forgive me. I can't remember who the original... so it's Hans Zimmer and Benjamin mm. uh, Wolf. Wolfish? That's what I was going to say. say. 
I can never get his last name right. Very sorry. But <laughs> but the two of those, because I think Benjamin was originally on it and then he had to step away from the project for whatever reason. So Hans Zimmer comes in. And the two of them do an amazing job, I think, of, of capturing the spirit of the original Vangelis score, which was all very synthy. But you do it with orchestras and you do it with mm. other instruments and anyone who's uh if you've not already heard Hans Zimmer in particular talking in interviews about music and like just go and listen to him the man's incredible and his knowledge of music and instruments he's, he's very experimental and it works it works really well for this film so it's like okay you've got the visual you've got the sound and the next big thing and this is a scary thing is what about the story because <laughs> that's really hard to follow it's a huge part of this movie right yeah. I mean Rich you know what I'm on about here like it's something that Blade Runner fans go over and over and we obsess over it and we mm. talk about all the details and and all the things that go into it. So how do you follow that up? Yeah. Well, you know, because I mean, one big thing of, of the original and it's in the book as well, is this, this running theme of is Deckard a replicant or not? And it's meant to be deliberately ambiguous. Again, read, mm. you read the book, you watch the film, uh, especially the final cut. I think they understand that it's meant to be. Uh, an ambiguous ending because that's the point of the story is you know yeah. does it does it it doesn't matter you know if he's human no. or not is he is his life you're anymore? supposed to be leave the, that movie thinking exactly you're supposed yeah. to leave that movie making your own decision about yeah. whether you think Deckard's a replicant or not you know and the tears and rain speech kind of backs that up it's this idea mm. of is your life worth any more or less because of whether or not you're human really powerful stuff so you come into this movie and you think okay we've got a new protagonist so are they just going to do the same thing again well, within, again, the first 10 minutes, the answer is quite clearly mm. no, because Ryan Gosling's K gets thrown through a wall <laughs> by Dave Bautista Sapper Morton. <laughs> and I'm watching that, and that was my first thought was like, okay, so what is the deal here? Is he human? Is he not? And he gets thrown through that wall, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's a replicant. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, he, 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 and he gets stabbed in the, the arm with a scalpel yes, and doesn't flinch. Exactly. You're like, yeah, yeah, he's a replicant. <laughs> we and, know, and then, we know. And then he lays Dave Bautista out, and you're like, yeah, he's definitely a replicant. Okay. And that decision alone is so intelligent because it then means that you're moving away from the original so you're mm. like, you can kind of relax as a fan of the original okay they're not going to touch that again uh, but they will come back to it and i'll get to that in a minute but you know they kind of go okay so this is a new story it's a new character and the fact that we now know he's a replicant changes everything about the way that we feel as an audience about this character because we're now thinking about him differently and it gives yeah. you a completely different point of view. You know, he there's stuff where he has to deal with like racism, for example. Yeah. You know, the I think I think the phrase skin job comes up a lot. Mm. You know, and and like people are like saying it to him in the street and it's painted on his door, and you're like, so you're seeing that side of the world for a completely different point of view, which is genius. And then it moves into the relationship side of it. Whereas again, the original is very much an ambiguous thing of can a man love a woman, but what uh, a rep female replicant, but what if he is a replicant? And blah, blah, blah. this film. No, we're staying away from that. We know he's a replicant, but he's in love. But here's a twist. She's a hologram. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> it's, it's, but again, it makes sense. Yeah. It just is built into the universe so seamlessly that you just go, oh yeah, okay, I could see that. Hmm. And then that goes to the one step further with um, Anna de Armas's Joy, which is, she's amazing in this movie. I mean, everybody is. And their whole relationship takes the whole of the meaning of like, he knows she's not real, but he treats her like she's real. Yeah, And like, that whole thing is absolutely beautiful. And, and so like all of these themes are going on as you're watching the movie and you go, this is genius. He's just taken the world of the original and he's, again, it's clearly Denny, Vin sorry, Denny Vinaloo is a fan. Mm -hmm. So he's just thought a lot about what else you could do. How else can you play in this sandbox? And all this stuff goes on. And then underneath all of that, 
you've got what the original Blade Runner is, which, as you said, Rich, is a noir film. There's yeah. a there's a there's a crime. You know, the, it, he opens with him finding a body, and then who's the body? Oh, it's Rachel, and she's had a child. And then suddenly you're like, whoa, okay, this is whole mystery just blown up, and now you're on this journey with him, and it gets the pacing right as well, which is really important. Uh, mm. Which do, again doesn't surprise me because if you look at um, Villeneuve's filmography, he's done a lot of thrillers. He, he clearly knows how to set that up, and that works really well. Again, you're watching the the mystery, and it's it does that really hard thing i think that a lot of noirs and thrillers struggle with sometimes which is like keeping the audience in the dark but just you know just at the right yeah. time so there's a lot of twists and turns in this movie and but they work you know i mean yeah. i vividly remember the moment he's in that massive abandoned warehouse and he's going through and he finds the horse the little toy horse and it has the date card and he knows exactly where to look because it's his dream and that whole moment and just kind of you sat in the cinema going oh my god Ah, oh, he must be the human. He must be the human child. Ah, oh, oh, this is so like. Free. And then that just gets ripped away from you later mm. on. But yeah. it, but it's not stupid. You're not going like, oh, that was a complete waste of time. It makes I sense. I like that. I, that's the bit yeah. I like the most. Exactly. Is that you go through it going, he is the one. He's yeah. the one. He's the one. And then you go, actually, you're not. Yeah. He thinks yeah. he's the one, and he has to deal with that. You know, yeah. that, that knowledge going. Actually, you are a replicant, and you're not the one. Sorry. And, it, and this is it. And it's, again, playing with the themes of the original in a really intelligent way, progressing the story in a way that makes complete sense. Yeah. And then all of that leads to bringing back Harrison Ford's Deckard, which is interesting because you watch this film and you're like, you could have this film without him. You know, you could tell the story without bringing Deckard back, but they do. And it's just lovely to see Harrison Ford in a role that he clearly enjoys playing. <laughs> and, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, he just turns up in like a, gray shirt and jeans so clearly that was quite easy for him just to walk on set but <laughs> but he brings so much weight to that role and his whole story and again uh, i think uh, villeneuve is very careful not to touch the original movie and the legacy because the obvious thing you could do is well he's back so let's just answer the question once for all is he replicant mm. is he not this movie deliberately sidesteps it i'm really you know, glad they didn't yeah and there's, there's a there's a moment there's a moment where um you've got jared leto's wallace and you think he's just answered it. You know, he's saying, obviously paraphrasing that, you know, oh, perhaps do you think it was weird that you met her and was this all just by design or mm. not? And just it's that moment where he says, or not, and you kind of go, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> thank God you didn't touch it. <laughs> but it's, and again, I think that's the mark of a director who goes, yeah, I respect the original way too much to just trample all over it and ruin the legacy. He's just yeah. very gently kind of just going, yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware that's there, but that's not the story we're telling here. I think touching on Jared Leto. Oh yeah, like, please do. <laughs> I, I think he's the only bit of the movie that I don't like as much. Like, you know, not that whole... I think he's all right. He's all right. That's mm. the thing. He's all right. He's not amazing. Did, I you, I, did you read about just, it? Because we, we continuously mock Jared Leto for, you know, if he's in a wheelchair, he's going to stay for a wheelchair for the whole shoot. Well, in this yes. one, he pretty much made himself blind for every yep. time. Yeah. Did he? So I'm just, yeah. come on, mate. I, do you know what? I'm, I'm with you in this, in that I, I think he's great in this role. He kind of, he's only in it for like 10 minutes. Yeah, um, it's not long. It's not long. And so it does make me wonder about the whole method acting of, I'm going to wear blind contacts. And it's like, you could just pretend you know it's it's your job and, and I, I thought the same thing because i heard about the whole morbius wheelchair thing and i thought 
that's just so inconsiderate of people that are on the set. And so I wonder, yeah, if he did the same thing on this movie of like, oh, you're going to have to like guide me to the bathroom or something with a walking stick, which it's weird, right? Because I was thinking about this today with Jared Leto and the whole, because I thought it might come up, the whole like method acting thing. Because it's (laughs) it's just, it's what he's known for. Yeah. He's a musician, right? He's a singer. Mm. So I'm just wondering if he does the whole method acting on set of like, I must always be in character and whatever. Do you reckon he does the same when it comes to like being on tour or recording albums? He's like just constantly singing and just if anyone wants to talk to him, they're like, all right, Jared, Jared can you do that take again? I'm sorry, what did you say? And it's like, oh, fuck it. uh, could you do it again? You know, like, no, I can't imagine he is, right? Because that would be infuriating. And also he'd blow his voice out after like two days. So it's weird. I'm like, you, you clearly understand that, yes, you need to warm up as a performer and you need to give of your best. Absolutely. But you know you don't have to be doing it all the time. You don't have to be on all the time. So, yeah, I'm with you there. It's it's odd. But, yeah, as far as, far as this movie's concerned, he's pretty solid. He's very creepy and weird and, you know. He's definitely creepy and weird. Mm. I, yeah. Maybe oh, it's he's, just, yeah, I don't like in. Wallace, yeah. and you're not supposed to like Wallace anyway, no, are you? No, it's, like. <laughs> it's, in, it's in his wheelhouse, let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> and Go- Goslin, and let's just quickly oh. I want to talk about that jacket. My it's goodness. so fucking cool. Right. Uh, the man, one. the man is so good at not saying anything. I think he delivers in this like drive. He's this was the year I fell in love with him as an actor because I think oh, wow. pri- prior to this, uh, yeah, my wife's concerned. Uh, prior to this, <laughs> aren't they all? I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Prior to this, I hadn't really seen a lot of his stuff, and I think I think it's the same year he did La La Lands, and then he did First Man. And he did Blade Runner. And I saw all these movies within like a year of each other. And I was like, this guy's really good. Like he's got a lot of range. And yeah, I love him in this role. He, as you say, he can just say so much with a look. And he's really Mm. good at playing quiet rage. And that's Mm. really important for the role of Kay. You know, somebody who's constantly felt like an outsider. And like you say, he's given this moment of feeling like he's important and special. And that's that's all he wants. That's all any of them want. And it's ripped away from him. And that moment where he stood in the rain, like beaten and battered and he's lost joy and he's just been told, yeah, you're not special, sorry. And then that huge hologram of joy turns up and she calls him a good Joe. And again, I remember that and being like, oh, oh, that hurts. And just yeah. the look of rage on his face, the way he does it, it's so good. And and it's brilliant because then it leads into the final scene where he chases after Deckard uh, and love. And because of that, the way he's performed it, you have no idea what he's going to do when he catches up to them. Yeah. And it's so scary. Like their their whole fight's really intense. And then the whole time I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know if he's gonna save Deckard or kill him. Like it's it's really hard to tell in this moment. And it's brilliant. It's just so thrilling. I wanna know going in, how excited were you, nervous, and how you felt afterwards? Was it, was it relief? Oh, massive relief. Yeah, like I said, I, I think going in it was kind of I think this will be good, but I don't know. And then at the end, I was just like, that was incredible. That was the best thing I've ever seen. Did you guys see um, it again instantly? I didn't see it again in this. I don't think I had time, but as soon as it came out on DVD, as soon as it was available, I bought it and just, yeah, straight home, watch it. And yeah, it's one of those, like I said, it's at least once a year, I'll just get a glass of whiskey, sit down and just be immersed in this world again because it's so stunning and everybody's great in it. And as we said, the visual style, the sound, the story, I just love everything about it. It's in my opinion, and this is incredibly biased, obviously, I feel like this is a perfect movie. I feel like it, it sets out to do exactly, well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> it, it achieves exactly what it set out to do, which as we established earlier, 
is nigh on impossible. When you're following mm -hmm. up a cult classic film, you know, how can you do that after 30 years with a rabid fan base? You know, that you've got one corner of, of the people that are going to see it are going to be, you know, looking at every frame of this movie and analyzing it. And then the other half of the people that are going to see it have probably maybe seen Blade Runner or maybe they haven't, you know, I mean, I've watched this with people. <laughs> it's funny. I've watched it with people who haven't seen the original and it works for them as well. Yeah. That's the other yeah. thing as a sequel, it, it stands alone. Like I've watched it with people and they've gone, Oh yeah, I get what's going on here. Oh, this is actually quite clever, isn't it? You know, and they, and they, they understand the themes. Now, of course it will mean a lot more if they know who Rachel and Deckard are, mm. but again, it's not important. It's not crucial. It's not like this whole film collapses if you have no idea who those people are. Yeah. You get the general gist of what's happening. Yeah. Um, I, I went in very cold. My mate yeah. dragged me. I think it was <laughs> even the first day. I was like, hey, do you want to go see Blade Runner tonight? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, why not? I've got nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know you know how I feel about the first one. I, I like it, but he dragged me to the IMAX to see it. And like you, Harley, like mm -hmm. halfway through, I just was, was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and it shouldn't like, be. It shouldn't be. It's so good. I like it's. Mm. I can't the textures and mm -hmm. the colors and the sounds. It's like I just want to lick the screen. <laughs> it's. It felt so real. I I'm so glad you didn't. <laughs> no, it's a big old screen. To be honest, an IMAX screen is huge. Um, Sir, get down, get down. Um, <laughs> so, why did you get arrested? Oh, licked a cinema screen. <laughs> it's okay. It's Ryan Gosling. Oh, never mind. That's fine. Oh yeah, we yeah, get we, it. We understand. <laughs> Happens all the time, sir. Lick, lick away. Lick away. Lick away. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. Like so everyone in this is brilliant, and it's, it, it does the thing I love of of progressing a story to its next logical step. You know, you're talking about replicants, and again, the theme of the first is, you know, if you can tell the difference and and all of this and then the next step is well what if one can conceive what if they can have kids and then are they not the same and yeah. it's this whole thing that i just think is really really clever and just makes sense for the story to go there and it ends as well it, it, it sort of teases a sequel but not really again i like that it doesn't lean too heavily on that it just kind of goes yeah here's some potential here's here's where mm. it can go We'll leave it there. We'll see you in 30 years. Yeah, it may be. <laughs> Who knows? It's happening now, isn't it? They're doing a TV series, I think. I have yeah. heard this, yeah, yeah. Were you, were you disappointed that this, mm. as Villeneuve put, this is the most expensive art house film he, anyone's ever made? And it, it didn't do well mm. at the box office. It won a, a few awards, like yeah. the Deacon's one. Yeah. But it, it was, a, it was, it was I, yeah, it was. It was yeah, I, I was. I was a bit gutted, but then I, I understood why, because again, as, as we said before. It's a hard sell. It is a hard sell. Yeah, Blade Runner, the original, it's a cult film. Not everybody knows about it or has the time for it. It's and long. It's long. And yeah, to come back to long. your thing, noir films, I think, as a genre anyway, in themselves, can be a bit of a hard sell because not everybody's got the time and the patience. And, that, and that's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like some people just want to switch off action mm. film or a romantic comedy or whatever and that's totally fine when you're like oh yeah it's a noir film right set in the future okay with robots okay um and it's a follow-up to blade runner what yeah and it's, i thought it was 30 years on and it deals with you know the existential crisis of being long. human and it's nearly three hours long and it deals with you know all these really heavy themes of humanity and bits of misogyny and, and all sorts of things it makes you think and feel and it's like yeah i'm all right thanks mm. <laughs> okay I'll wait until it's on TV. Oh, it's it. Yeah. yeah. Which, but then yeah. when it's on TV, it's on ITV, they add adverts, and then it's oh. going to be five hours long. Well, <laughs> I'll save people the hassle. This is a film that 
frequently comes up on streaming. In fact, time of recording, I believe it's on Netflix. So yeah. it, it it frequently comes up on Netflix and Prime. It bounces between the two. So I encourage you, if you've not seen this film, please do yourself a favor and watch it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. What has been your most disappointing sequel? Oh, that's a good question. There's been a lot of them. I mean, the real answer uh, was covered by Sarah Buttery recently, so I won't go near that. Rise of Skywalker. Yes, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Every, everyone has it, and I completely understand. And Sarah nailed it. Everything she said, 100% agree. So I was thinking about this. I would probably go with, I think the Bourne franchise died a death. I remember that one because it was the three good ones. Yeah. Then there was Legacy, mm. which was this horrendous side call reboot spin-off whatever you want to call it like it's really yeah, strange god, god knows died to death it was awful <laughs> that's a bad movie it's just straight up bad and then they were going to come back they said oh we're going to we're going to bring matt damon back and we're going to do one more and it's i think they just called it jason Bourne. i mm. think i think that's what it was called they did and i remember kind of thinking all right yeah do you know what? i'm up for this i quite enjoyed the first three hopefully they can kind of retcon some of the weird stuff that happened in the last one and just just a mm. good old action movie you know and it's it's born it's kind of fun it's it, it's got that political intrigue it's you know all this stuff going on and the result was just boring it was just really bland i don't i don't know if you guys remember seeing this film at all when it came out i don't think i watched it I don't i've think seen, seen i watched it. it on a plane and i can tell you yeah it's absolute. i can't remember anything There's it's, a, a, it's big... a plane movie it's a plane movie yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely no, right. I can't. I can't remember anything. I remember he's in it. Mm-hmm. Alisa Vikander is in it. Is Riz Ahmed in it? Uh yes, he's like a. Good I think cast. a tech guy of some sort. He's like sort. an Elon Musk. Yeah. It's something to do with the internet. Or yeah, something. it's something like, to do. With, I think he has like a. I think he's meant to be like a Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, I think he's a Mark Zuckerberg type, and it's meant to be like the CIA are trying to like hack this site and use it to spy on people which they already do um <laughs> but it was like they're trying to make it like this plot point and everyone, everyone sat in the cinema going yeah we know this isn't shocking <laughs> or scary this is just 
life. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like you say, Alicia Vikander's in it with a weird Irish accent, I seem to recall, which was very on and off. I don't know why. And then Tommy Lee Jones is doing a Harrison Ford and that he doesn't want to be there, but it's just quite oh, clearly yeah. in for the paycheck. Uh, and then Matt Damon as well, just he just seemed to be on autopilot for this movie. You know, it was weird. I, I, mm. I remember the one thing that stood out to me, I don't know why these things stay in my brain, but they do. When the trailer first comes out, there's like a shot of him in somewhere like Romania doing like bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. And it's like quite a, a great shot of him just like squares up to one guy and it's like, bam, one punch, he's down. And it's, you know, front facing, like really well shot and choreographed. And you're like, oh, cool. In the movie, it's shot from a completely different angle. I remember like in the movie, like waiting for that scene and going like, well, this scene was pretty good. I'll see this again on the big screen. And it just cuts to like somewhere in the crowd behind him. So it's all obscured. And you're like, but you have a front facing <laughs> shot. What? I don't understand. Like what? And I think like that's the tone of the movie. It's like, we have all some right. good stuff in here. We have stuff that we can show you and will work and will be great. But for some reason, we're not going to use it. And yeah. that's, that's just a movie. It's, it's like you say, very forgettable. I can't really remember anything else that happens in it. I don't think it does anything for the wider story of the previous three. I don't know no. if any of like Treadstone or any of that comes back up again. I, it's just weird. It's, just, it's a film that didn't need Jason Bourne. It's like you could have just cast anyone else in this and just called it Action Man or like generic, I don't know, Jack yeah. Ryan, Jack Reacher, Jack thomas or jack whoever <laughs> another jack and it would have been fine hey, sti you're sticking with jack though like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's what they're all called apparently so because <laughs> the first three are, are, are pretty it's a pretty strong trilogy like as far as yeah yeah three solid. films go it's it's yeah. it's up there i'm sorry i'm just thinking of like an action hero called keith <laughs> that's what it would be yeah keith keith born yeah to you in the cinemas keith <laughs> An accountant by day, superhero by night. Yeah. <laughs> I still watch it. <laughs> okay, Harley, let's go for it. What is your worst sequel ever? Okay, so <laughs> worst sequel ever is probably the film I hate more than any other film because I've thought about it way too much. And that is Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Oh, what a big pile of poop. Wow, you oh, are wow. in a can of worms because some people love this. Bring Who loves it, this movie? Bring Honestly. It on. Okay, um, before we dig into it, Zack Snyder's got this weird legion of fans. Oh, he has a cult. He has yeah, a that full treat on cult. him like a, like yeah. a god. And I don't understand it and I don't get it. He makes average films. I will, I will say this, right? To, about the Snyder Bros, as they're lovingly known on the internet. If you cannot. Yeah, I think. If you can't validate your opinions and love for art with subjective criticisms and, you know, points about said art, but instead have to resort to basically cyberbullying and vitriol yeah. and hatred, mm. is the art you're defending really that good? If you can't defend it on its merits, it's probably not that good. That's a fair point. I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. and I know people, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of speaking to lots of you know, film journalists and stuff like that, as I'm sure you guys have as well. And yeah, if you bring up the Snyder Bros, like, man, they, particularly female journalists, seem to get yeah, a really yeah, yeah, hard yeah. time from those guys. And that's just not okay. I just, I'll say that up top. Absolutely. It's worth addressing. Yeah. These movies, what he does, I got nothing against the guy. I think, yeah, he's, he's got his style. He's got what he wants to do. That's absolutely fine. But yeah, this weird legion of people that just seem to pile on anyone who says, yeah. I don't like this movie. And they're like, you're wrong and you're stupid and you're not man enough. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? It's a movie. Mm. chill out and especially for a film like this because it's about superheroes and it's like well you know superheroes are all about 
being good and looking after one another and saving the day. It's not very, you know, Superman to try and bully somebody online, is it? Because you don't agree about a film. That's just, yeah, yeah I don't understand that lane of thinking. I mean... Why don't you like this film? Because oh, it's bad. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say up top, I went into this movie hoping for the best. You know, I'm somebody, when I watched Man of Steel, I liked it. It, it has its problems, but overall, I kind of like it as a movie. I think it's all right. It definitely sn- suffers from the Zack Snyder style over substance filmmaking, and it suffers from the trend that was at the time with superheroes of everything has to be dark and gritty and they've got to have a dark origin and we can't call him Superman because that's too childish. Let's call him Man of Steel. You know, and it's like, yeah, okay, fine. If you want your dark and gritty origin story for the beacon of hope that is meant to be Superman, fine. You can have that. And the movie kind of ends on that optimistic note. It ends with like, Mm. okay, we've had this now. Now he's going to go and be Superman. And so I thought, cool. All right. The second one, that's that's what we'll see, right? And, oh, we're getting Batman in this movie. Fine. You know, I, I, I'm i familiar with Dark Knight Returns as, as the inspiration. I think it's a really solid story. Yeah, let's see it on the big screen. And this movie just... I talk about misunderstanding the source material. I mean, good grief. So stay, sticking with Superman for a second, you know, like I said, the, the previous movie ended... Yeah, you can sit back. I'm literally going to just rant for like an hour. This I, was, first... I was just going to say, this is going to be one of those ones where we don't have to say a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll start talking quicker and just, yeah, out of breath. and You'll, you'll hear me smashing things and yeah. No, um, I'll try, I'll try, keep it contained. Now, this first movie, so like, yeah, right. Superman, Man of Steel ends on that note of like, he's going to be Superman in the next movie. And you're like, fair enough, cool. In this film, Dawn of Justice, which dumbass title but i know that wasn't snyder's fault so i'll I'll let him off for that this movie it just sends the character backwards you know it it doesn't progress him in any way it doesn't sort of go okay now he's superman he's supermaning about it just it pulls him back into the dark and gritty It, it it's it doesn't let superman be superman in this film it just has him flying around and looking sorry for himself and like oh no one understands me like some sort of teenager and you're like what are you doing like you're wasting this character and you're wasting the actor you know, Henry Cavill is a very charming and charismatic actor. He could be a fantastic Superman if yeah. you just let him. But this movie mm. won't because it's just, it has to be dark and it has to be super serious and su- Superman can't be happy. And there's even a montage in this film where he saves a bunch of people and he just looks really sad and he's like in slow motion and he's obscured. Like he's this unknowable deity. Yeah. It's like, for God's sake, like he's a character. He's a, uh, you're asking me to pick a side in a minute because these guys are going to fight. So I, as an audience member, have to invest in one of these people. It ain't going to be him because I don't know him. Because you're not letting me. You're you're mm. just making him this super unlikable. Just because you love slow mo so much. Yeah, <laughs> even he even makes Clark Kent boring. Exactly. Yeah, he gets nothing. To, and I don't blame Henry Cavill for this. I just feel sorry for him. I remember watching the movie, going like, "Oh, you poor guy. You've got nothing to do in this movie." All right, fine. I guess we're we're not progressing the story of him. Mm. All right. Clark Kent's supposed to be witty. And there's he's this supposed to be funny. Bumbling, yeah. you know. But yeah. he's bumbling on purpose. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the whole point of yeah. Clark Kent. Is you, he's not bumbling. No. He's bumbling to be a bit funny because he yeah. knows he's Superman. Yeah, there's so, charm. You know, yeah, there's absolutely. none of that in this character. And it's such <sighs> a shame. So there's that side of the movie and you think, okay, fine, whatever. But, you know, he's barely in it for most of the films. You think, okay, yep. all right, you're obviously wanting to do a Batman story. Fine, let's see what's happening with Batman. Credit to this film where credit is due. The intro pretty solid you know it's mm. batman is there on the day metropolis falls and you go oh That's cool good. all right it's well shot i understand the motivations now of, of bruce wayne why he's 
freaked out, understandably, by this big godlike figure who's just smashing cities. Yeah, absolutely. He'd want to go and check out and figure out how to how to neutralize or, or deal with a potential problem because that's what Batman does. You know, famously yeah. in, in storylines as comics and cartoons where members of the Justice League have confronted Batman because he has contingency plans for all of them. And his response is, of course I do, because you're all basically gods. So if one of you flies off the handle, be pretty irresponsible of me not to have a way of stopping you. So mm. I'm like, cool, I get this. I see where you're going with this movie. And then the film just veers sharply to the left and is like, nope, he's not doing it to contain. He's not doing it out of any sensible reason. He's just a psychopathic lunatic who wants to kill everybody. And you're like, well, hang on. Batman, this is Batman we're talking about here. A man who has famously seen his parents murdered, which, by the way, you're aware of because you showed me it in slow motion for 10 minutes, the opening credits. <laughs> and, you know, guns are a pretty big thing in this. Nah, he's over that. It's fine. He's just going to drive around machine gunning people to death and kicking heads in and throwing grenades on people. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, why is, yeah. why is Batman a full-on murderer in this? Because there's a 1% chance. So, sorry, what? Say that again? A 1% chance that if he's a problem, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. What are you talking about? There's a 1% chance any of us can be murderers. Is that just your justification now for that murdering That doesn't make people? sense, that line, It doesn't right? make sense. No. It also doesn't make sense okay. because the Joker's alive in this universe. That guy, 100% chance he's going to kill you. Why is he out there? But, but but Superman, no. Okay, yeah, fine, right, whatever. The, the internal logic of this makes no sense, so fine. And then, again, coming back to what I was saying with Superman, you're not invested in him because he's just, there's nothing there. There's no character. He's just mopey and miserable and awful. Batman's a raving lunatic in this movie. You're not invested in him either. No. So then come to the fight, where they're meant to be having this big dramatic punch-up, you couldn't care less. You're not invested as an audience. You're just kind of going, all right, I guess we're doing this. Okay. The point where they stop the fight, the, the reason oh, God, that they stop yes. the fight is like, yes. let's get to this. Hang yeah. on a minute. Our mums have got the same name. I'm so, we should be friends. I'm so glad you brought that up. Because Shut that's up. the thing, right? The build up to this fight is nothing. The fight is fine, but it's weightless because we don't care about the characters. And as you say, Rich, correctly, the way that they have to get themselves out of this corner that they've written themselves into because by the way batman's fight here it's not to contain or disarm or anything like that. it's to murder he is mm. gonna full-on stab this dude with a kryptonite spear and you're like yeah of course he is because he's a raving loony bin in this one how's he gonna get stopped martha <laughs> so, it, what hang on so, what martha is that the safe word is is that 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 would be such a better explanation because honestly i remember vividly like saying out loud in the cinema are you kidding me like when he, when he said that i was like really that's what yeah. you're going with Mar and the worst part is you can see you can see past this movie into the writer's room where they've just gone hey guys have you noticed that batman's mum <laughs> superman's mum got the same name yeah You've done it. You've done it. That's the movie. That's lunch, everybody. Let's go. Hand this. Don't even bother. No, second draft? Nah, let's just hand in the script. It's done. Oh, it's so painfully stupid. Mm. And at that point, I just checked out of the film. I was like, right, okay, this is this is the you level. You got that far and then checked out. Oh, oh, I mean, I was hanging on for dear life. 
But at just that point, I was like, okay, this movie just does not care. And then and you it's think that, about that okay, point, it sort of turned into stepbrothers. Well, this like, is it. Your like, mum's called Martha. My mum's called Martha. Did we just become best friends? Exactly. <laughs> and then Lois Lane turns up as well out of nowhere. Like she just gets a taxi cab to the oh, middle Lois of nowhere. Is so pointless in this movie. I know. I mean, like, again, I talk about Henry Cavill being wasted. Poor Amy Adams in this oh, film. Nothing to do. There's a scene that really, really annoys me. Oh, please is it do. the beginning? This where she's in the bath. <laughs> Oh, she's yes. in the bath yes. and the clerk comes in. Yep, yep, yep. Why is she in the bath? You know what, my, apart from you to give some fanboys a thrill. Bless, like, bless, bless my long-suffering wife, Abigail. She watched this with me when uh, in preparation for this. And that was exactly what she said. She was like, why does Amy Adams have to be in the bath all naked? It's, yeah. like, it's a bit weird and creepy, isn't it? I was like, yes, you are 100% correct. It is Could weird she not be creepy. sat at her computer writing, a, uh, writing an article? Yeah, could like, she not be did, a person? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? And like, And again it's just what absolutely breaks my brain when I think about this is like, okay, so you've come up with this incredibly flimsy reason for getting these guys to stop fighting. And I know people out there that defend it and say, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's Batman realizing that he has humanity. It's like, yeah, but it's also really dumb because how many people has he murdered in this movie? I'm sure some of them had relatives called Martha. Didn't stop to ask, did he? They all had mums. They all had mums, exactly. It's so flimsy. And you think, okay, so why have they done this? Why, have they, why are they rushing to stop this fight? It's so that they can do Death of Superman. And you go, what? Mm. Hang on, where's this coming from? Why are you having him fight a big CG blob and then being killed at the end? It's like... It's awful. It's awful. Like, and also, again, as we've established, we don't care about Superman because we don't know him yet. We've not been given the chance. And are you going to kill him off? Why? Yeah. What was the point in that? And guess what? It's even more of a waste because you don't even commit to it. The end of the film, the final shot is, ooh, bit of dirt off the ground. Like, and to lead me on to another point, I know that's going to happen. Do you know how I know? Because this movie will not stop ramming the Justice League down my throat. It keeps pausing the movie every few minutes to go, by the way, Justice League. Yeah, Justice League. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's coming. We've coming. made symbols. <laughs> by way of analogy, it would be like if you're at a restaurant and you're eating a meal and you're like, this meal's not very good. I'm not enjoying this. This is like, it's a bit of hard work getting through this. And as you're doing it, a waiter just comes along and just starts scraping bits of a second course onto your plate and just goes, eh, eh, this is the good stuff. Waving go, the dessert under yeah, your nose. Like, <laughs> then, like, to the point where they're almost shoving it down your throat and you're going like, go, go, go away, like, leave me alone. I'm trying to just stop. And it's, it's something that a lot of sequels and bad franchises do all the time is like, we need more of these. So we have to set up the sequel, set up the sequel, set up the sequel. It's like, just no, tell the story that you're telling here first. And if it is good enough, then you have earned a sequel. Just because yeah. you have the rights to Batman, Superman, whoever, it does not automatically mean you have a franchise. You have to earn it. And it, that that infuriated me for the entire film that it was like, by the way, we're going to do a Justice League movie. It's like, well, this is pretty awful. So I don't know if I want to see a Justice League movie. doesn't matter. You're getting it. And it keeps breaking up the flow of the film. I mean, there's a dream sequence within a dream sequence in this film. Batman, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, knows what parademons are and is aware of Darkseid, but also he's not because then the Flash yeah. turns up and you're like, what mm. is happening in this film? Like, why Why is the Flash here? Oh, he's not here anymore. What's that about, Lois? Does this come back up in the film? Nah. Nah. Is it addressed in any of the sequels? Nah. Nah. It's like, <laughs> why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Do you think it would have worked better if they had a solo Batman film before this film? I mean, maybe, but like... I think it would work if they had another Superman film yes. between that one and yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, have a Superman film with him being Superman. Let us mm. connect it. And yeah, same with Batman. Absolutely. Do a solo Batman film. There was a lot of 
scuttlebutt on the internet at the time of like the potential scripts floating around and some of them sounded awesome you're like yeah just do that but this is this is a classic example of a studio just doing a hop skip and a jump to the avengers like thinking mm. that they can have a big franchise it's like no no you have to earn that you cannot yeah, just you shove it build in. it yeah. yeah and this film is so just flimsily built and like like i said it's just building to something that ultimately is anticlimactic has nothing going for it it's just all over the shop there's threads in this movie that just don't make any sense wonder woman's in it for no reason we have to talk mm. about the lewis lois and the beginning and the bullet thing before we makes, do oh uh-huh. can, and can i just talk about yeah, i'm yeah, gonna yeah, massively yeah. upset all the snyder babies now but mm. um what the fuck is with his use of music <laughs> it's so on the nose it hurts yeah like, yeah every see we every time we see wonder woman we will hear the wonder woman <laughs> <laughs> Well, I like that music. I like the theme as well, but it's over yeah. I like the music, but just yeah. don't use it like that. Yeah. Like My she, God, she, it's horrible. She walks in a room and it's like nah, nah, nah. you're like yeah, okay, we get it. And yeah. I, but also to the to that point, why is she in this movie? It's like when Peter Griffin in, in Family Guy plays a tuba player to go around and play his theme tune everywhere he walks it's like yeah it's like wonder woman's paying someone to go around and play that riff yeah and like <laughs> gal, gal gadot is wasted in this like she she's just there so she can turn up and do a bit of action at the end and it's like okay but oh, why just you know like just just leave her be like she's got a solo movie coming up and it's fantastic by the way thankfully so you're yeah. like cool just, well, that, just let that, that be the sequel that one is the sequel is not yeah exactly but it's like <laughs> That, that was a waste of time. There's, there's so much stuff in here that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm glad you brought the bullet thing. Because, yeah, the way that movie opens, it's so weird. Because, again, it has Superman just kind of show up to save Lois. You're like, okay, fair enough. Um, oh, who was that that got shot in the face? Oh, that was, um, oh, what's his name, the photographer? Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen, that, thank yeah. you. That's all, that's all in the Ultimate Edition. The Ultimate Edition, yeah. like, let me just go into this for a sec. Yeah, so please do. The, the rebels, the, the bad guys in the black, they killed the other rebels with bullets. Yeah. And that's what we see in this edition. And mm. then somehow Superman gets blamed for this. He's like, I was like, Superman doesn't shoot. <sighs> I don't no. understand why that. Why, but apparently mm-hmm. in the ultimate edition, which is, it is slightly better. It, it shows them burning the body. So it makes it look like he's charred them with the eyes. Oh. But they are aware that forensics exists, right? And that cause of death <laughs> is still bullet which is not <laughs> Superman. And it's and it's addressed in the film. Lois says to the general guy at the end, is like, oh, we found these bullets. She's a reporter. How does she get hold of that? But she just finds out and is like, oh yeah. And they go back to Lex Luthor. And then the guy's like, oh, well. You Again, know, that's answered about it. in the Ultimate Edition. It's the, there's a G Malone is a, a character who mm-hmm. gives her all that information to go to it. But yeah. This, but nothing this happens with it. No, oh, no, nothing no, happens. No. And again, it it's, it's weird because again, the beginning of this film, does that exposition quite nicely it sets up like okay yeah the the events of man of steel were earth shattering quite literally that's enough to carry you into this film but it it feels the need to double down and give you even more and it's just incoherent and it doesn't tie up in any way and like you said you're just sat there going like but superman doesn't use a gun (laughs) but why does batman know what parademons are like what what is going on i'm really confused none of this makes any sense I think Superman doesn't need a gun because he's faster than a speeding bullet, as we've already worked out, because he moves faster than a bullet about three seconds into that. (laughs) So you're like, why why is he there? I was like, well, he's probably where Lois Lane is because that happens to man still a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yet no one's able to figure that one out. No. (laughs) Lexley, we have to talk about Lex and Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, do we? Do we have to? (laughs) Miscast? 
or miswritten or both question what do you mark because it, it, it's definitely wrong oh it's 100 percent wrong i mean when you think about it on paper lex luther as a villain you go okay why is a man a threat to a demigod that is superman well the answer is he has to bring something to the table right he has to be cunning and devious and super like intelligent and evil not some weird trust fund kid with daddy issues who's weeing in jars and is having breakdowns oh, yeah. in public. We have to talk about the piss jar as well. Basically, he's Howard Hughes in this movie. <laughs> and you're like, that's not a threat. That's not a threat to Superman. It's just really bizarre. Like you said, the acting choice, this, the writing for him is awful. Yeah, It doesn't make any sense. And again, does not need to be in this movie. You do not need a Lex Luthor in this film for it to work. It's, it's just overstuffing the plot that's all it is They're he's just, just a way for doomsday going, like, to exist essentially isn't yeah it? exactly that's, that's all he's there for exactly which doesn't need to happen in this film and for the payoff of you go oh he's bold now no no uh, i've read a comic uh, <laughs> yeah he looks yeah. like the guy in the thing it's like yeah we get it so why did he yeah. have a weird wig for most of the movie because they just had him as bold from day one like because yeah. oh, yeah. he has to earn the boldness what okay <laughs> all right whatever I was convinced when I first watched it, I was like, this isn't the real Lex Luthor. This is, he keeps mentioning his dad, the yeah. dad's Lex Luthor. Yeah. This is Lex uh, Luthor Jr. Yeah. or someone. We're going to yeah. get a proper act, not a proper act, that sounds horrible, Jesse Osborne, but we're going to get a real Lex Luthor, you know, yeah. like a Brian Cranston. Like, that, was rumor, yeah. that was the rumour, yeah. That was the rumour for the longest time. But again, it's just, it, it just kept going. You're like, no, this is, they're, they're sticking with this. They really are yeah. going they are, with this. They're just going with it. And like you said, it doesn't work. And it no. undermines the movie and his whole plot to frame he's Superman in a is just... Yeah, he is like... You're right, he's in a different film. His story, his plot is in a different film. So is Batman's... So is Superman... This is the thing. It's like three different things going on at once. None of them gel together. They're no, all it's really intelligible nonsense. And <laughs> none of the characters' behaviour is ever explained or like properly rationalised. Case in point, the whole thing with Batman of like, okay, why is he going full-on psychopath here and murdering loads of people? Oh, death in the family. And you go, oh, okay, are you going to explain that to people? Nah, just here's a, here's a black suit that looks like every other black suit in these movies with some graffiti. I paused on that for my wife and I turned to her and I said, what do you think that is? And she goes, oh, it looks like a Batman costume with, is that Riddler or graffiti, uh, Joker? It's like, yeah, that's, yeah. You're, you're pretty close. That's meant to be a Robin suit. And that's Joker graffiti and it's referring to death in the family where the Robin gets killed basically by Joker. And she goes, oh. That's not very clear, is it? And I went, no, no, it is not very clear. No, because it's, it's just for explained. the fans. And no, because yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just for people watching this movie to go, yeah. oh, I've read that comic. And here's the thing. I know here's that thing. story. It's an Easter egg. Easter yeah. eggs are not the same as exposition, as character development, as yeah. plot devices. <sighs> and that's the Batman movie it needed between yes. Man of Steel and this. Absolutely. And if you did that, I think it would have gone a long way to saving a lot of this film. But again, it just it's literally a studio just hop, skip and a jump. Like, oh, we can do it. It's fine. We'll just shove some stuff in. Fans will get it. No, they won't. Or they'll be really annoyed that you haven't done it properly. And then everybody else who doesn't know what this stuff is, is going to be even more confused. Because guess what? Vast majority of people going to see this film are not avid comic book readers. They're not going to know what you're referencing. So you have to actually, you know, tell and a story. And if they do, like, like me... They're going to be really fucking annoyed that you just ignored it. Yeah, exactly. They're going to be angry because they're going to go, or, well, you did that wrong. You could be like my wife and fell asleep in the cinema watching it. <laughs> Don't blame her. Flat, no, out, me flat out snoring pretty much next to me. Don't blame she had, her. She Don't had a blame great her. nap. 
I if I hadn't been in such an uncomfortable cinema, I might have done that. Yeah. And then yeah. when Harley was like, she sent us a list, I was like, oh, we fought, do you want to watch this again? And she was like, nah. not a fucking chance. <laughs> no. I was like, well, it's not the ultimate edition. It's not the one that's three hours long or three and a bit hours long. It's only the two hours 40. <sighs> it's so long. It's, it's so long. so long. And it's so boring. And that's, that's the other thing as well. It's boring. It's a Superman and Batman film that's dull because neither character's yeah. given a lot to do and it's just a mess and no like so much of it winds me up again I've, I've mentioned it before but the whole desert dream sequence thing what angers me even more to this day is that that is still not resolved even in the, the snyder cut justice league which i have seen by the way i've sat through that we've all sat mm. through it now yeah let's just go around <sighs> thoughts rich what snyder cut justice league yeah it's even more fucking boring than this wow <laughs> i mean <sighs> Uh, is a pile of sick better than a pile of poo i don't know like no, that's, that's a bit harsh like, i think the major thing with the snyder cut justice league is mm. if he cut if he didn't do all the slow-mo it'd only be three hours long yeah yeah oh he loves slow-mo he <laughs> loves it so, doesn't he to, to circle back to what we were saying at the beginning of this conversation with the snyder bros the thing about the justice league right and i'll say this to zach Snyder's credit is he got sorry i thought you were gonna say and i'll say it to his face <laughs> <laughs> i would say this to his face because it's, it's a kind of compliment Okay. The original movie that Justice League got taken away from him and I think he got done over by Warner Brothers on that one because for anyone who doesn't know, they were, I think, like 70, 80% of the way through making the film and then his daughter took her life, her own life, mm. which is an unimaginable tragedy. Like, it, I can't even put into words how horrific that is. And so naturally, he stepped away to deal with that and you think, right, completely understand. Now, what Warner Brothers should have done was gone... We're really sorry about this. Like, please take as much time as you need. We know you'll finish this. We know you want to do it. We'll, we'll delay it for a year or whatever. Like, just, it's fine. Yeah. They didn't. They went, oh, we just want to make the money. So, Joss Whedon. And <laughs> Joss Whedon just came in and we've since learned bit of a control freak, bit of a narcissist. And so he just came <laughs> along and just ripped the movie to shreds. And so Justice League, I can say this much for Batman vs Superman, Justice League is way worse. What we got in the cinema is an incoherent mess so mm. when it was said, you know, oh, Snyder wants to finish it. We were all in lockdown. He's got the time. He's got the tools. He's got the footage. I think I just went, yeah, okay, fair enough. But the he, problem is, that point. he had. But the problem is, is to come back to the Snyder bros, they all saw this as some kind of weird moral victory for their deity that is Zack Snyder. And it's like, it's not. It's the same company that did him over the first time who've just sat down with a calculator and gone, how much is it going to cost Ooh, us? Oh, we've got we can HBO, make some more money. We've got HBO <laughs> yeah. Max. We Launching. need to plug. All right, yeah, you can do your movie. It doesn't matter how long it is. We don't care, actually, because it's going to be on streaming. Yeah, people are going to watch it at home. Yeah. yeah. And that's all that happens. The thing that Warner Brothers could have done when you said that horrible tragedy happened was mm. at least honour the man's vision. If they weren't prepared to yeah. uh, give him the time to deal with his grief and not come back to the movie, is yeah. literally honor that man's oh, absolutely that's such absolutely. a blatant cash grab it is that yeah. you go hang on a minute let's get the guy that did avengers to and do it and when you consider that it's basically <laughs> off the back of someone dying it's like oh that's super gross yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's, not nice. it's not nice at all so again i thought fair enough he did it watch it at home like everybody else the side of cut i agree with you rich you could have cut out at least an hour of this movie because it's just yeah. all slow-mo but in terms of the story I thought it was okay. It's, it's definitely better than what we got before, mm -hmm. but it's still a bit of a mess. It's still incoherent. There are still weird things that happen. I mean, Martian Manhunter's in this for some reason. 
like pretending to be Martha, like Kent. It's like why? <laughs> like, yeah, there's stuff it's like so that weird. in the movie that just doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, like I said, it's done now, and it's weird because I, I look at this movie and I look at everything else that's followed with this Warner Brothers DC EU. I don't know. I feel like they should just let it die a death. It's hmm. it's falling apart. They're, they're thinking about trying again now. Uh, uh, is, please don't. Please which don't. Is, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we move on, can we please talk about how absolutely shite Doomsday <laughs> is, please? <laughs> Do you because, know what? Like, of all the things I hate about this movie, yeah. I think I hate Doomsday the most. I disagree. <laughs> I think that's when it, you think, well, at least we're getting something here. You know, a big smashy, smashy... CGI um, grey blob in smoke. Do you know what? At that <laughs> yeah. point, I was like, it looks finally, awful. something's happening. I don't know, Dave. I, I... <laughs> he, look, he looked like an orc from Lord of the Rings or a turtle from the Turtles from Mashed mm, Together. Yeah. But have you seen any of like the original art design for doomsday in the comics or the cartoons no because i couldn't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> that's completely fair but i encourage you to go and look up an image because what they design in that is at least visually interesting yeah what you have in this is just like you say a weird like oh have you got anything left over from lord of the rings yeah all right just slap that in there and and again it's just it's weightless it's so mm. weightless i remember the moment when Superman picks up the spear and he's flying to one. It's all the dramatic music playing. I just sat in the cinema going, please don't do Deaths of Superman as well. Please don't. <laughs> and then they did it and I went, oh, for God's sake. It was like, just why? Why? We know you're not committing to this. We know you're not. We know Justice League is around the corner and you can't do it without Superman. So why are you wasting everybody's time with this yeah. really bad interpretation of a comic book from like, you know a decade or so ago like what was the point it's such a waste and that's again the biggest thing that annoys me about this movie is it's a multi-million dollar movie with a-list actors with you know professional directors everyone involved knows what they're doing supposedly and it's just a mess and it's like how how do you get it so wrong talking of what's the point what was the point of firing a nuclear weapon yes. at, at Doomsday and Superman? Yeah. He'd literally taken him off the fucking planet. Weird, right? Like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, he's basically a satellite now. What's the point in taking... Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, I, I don't know. You really. just made it all worse. I keep thinking of more things like, why did mm -hmm. they do this? D Dave, yeah. Dave, this is why I brought this film to the show because this I'm got, we're on time I know I know we haven't but but this is this is the thing this is going to be three hours it long is, this episode it is, it is that kind of movie but it's so bad like as you say like my initial reaction was like that was terrible and the more I sat with it and the more I've thought about it for the years and I've listened I've listened to loads of people reviews you know reviewing it and trying to see if there's maybe something I was missing hmm. but no just the more I've heard about it and the more I talk about it and the more I think about it you're just left with more questions. Just like, yeah, but yeah. that was weird as well. And that happened and that, and you think, I just don't get it. I don't get how you get something like this, this wrong. And it's just, it's mm. such a shame. My biggest thing is I really just feel sorry for the cast in this because it is so much potential. I mean, Ben Affleck, poor Ben Affleck in this movie, man. I thought he was great. I think he's a brilliant, for me. He yeah. looks like Batman. Yeah. He's the best yeah, yeah. Batman and Bruce Wayne combo that I've seen. Yeah, do you know what? I like, do, yeah. He's the, in, in a he's the one that movie, can do both. In a better yeah. movie, he would knock this out of the park. But, I mean, there was that meme going around, wasn't there, of um, him and Henry Cavill at a, like oh, a, a press reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so perfect. Just He, he properly zones out, doesn't he, for like 30 seconds. And then it's just at the end, like, 
Yeah, I agree. And like, you could just see he was just done. He was like, I'm out of this. I can't do this anymore. Oh, I saw this movie in a really old, tiny little cinema in Bognor Regis. And the cinema, cinema itself is brilliant and charming. Uh-huh. But quite uncomfortable to watch a very long movie in. Yeah. Um, and not, I'm a very tall man and it doesn't have a lot of leg room. <laughs> I feel your pain. Um, do, do you know, the funniest thing as well, I, after seeing this, um, I, sh- I went to Dublin with a friend of mine uh, to see Muse. We went for like a couple of days. We thought, yeah, we'll make a trip of it. And my good buddy Liam had also seen this movie. And we were talking about it on the plane and like, yeah, it was really weird, wasn't it? It was bad. And we were talking about all this stuff. And we both had Cineworld cards, right? And with Cineworld, you know, you could see as many movies as you like and all the rest of it. And yeah. there was one in Dublin. And so sort of every now and then we're like, we need to kill a few hours because Dublin's very expensive. We thought, we'll just go and watch a movie. We watched like every film that was on in the cinema at the time besides this film because <laughs> we just could not bring ourselves to go back to it. My fr- I dra- me and my friend went and saw My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 over this again because we were like and my friend had never seen the first one i had so at least i knew what i was going in for he had no Brilliant. idea and i was like are you sure you want to do it and he's like yeah i just can't sit through batman and superman again and i was like i know exactly what you mean like we just couldn't bring ourselves to do it and this is the first time yeah. i've rewatched it by the way for, for this podcast me too i've just yeah, avoided it like time. the plague ever since weirdly didn't hate it as much as i hated it the first time i watched it but that's probably because i wasn't sat in an uncomfortable cinema and i was on my sofa and i could Fair. pause it and go and do other Fair. things <laughs> for me i bought it when it came out i was like it can't be as bad as i remember it's got batman and superman and wonder woman pops up it, it can't be a bad i must have caught it on a bad day right um no it is it's bad and th- and that's it right that is exactly it davis on paper you're like this should work i don't understand mm. you, you just keep looking at it going but it should work it has all these amazing yeah. people in it it has these beloved characters that have been in fiction for you know at this point now like 80 years it's like how how did you get it this wrong? And I think the key is that it's two things. I think it's a studio trying to ram as much as possible um, for sequel bait into it. Mm, it's yeah. style over substance in terms of its filmmaking. And I think it's writers that just fundamentally do not understand the characters that they're writing for. Yeah. And it's the dark and gritty era, so everything has to be like that. And it's just completely missed the point. And it's it's such a shame. It's like Warner Brothers have gone marvel they've done it you know yeah. marvel have done it let's let's just skip to that skip yeah. to the end yeah we've, and we've got one of them forget to do all the building <laughs> you know the reason that avengers is good mm-hmm. is because they spent the time building the characters so you care and bear in mind that was a gamble when that film yeah. came out everyone was watching to be like is this gonna work mm, we had yeah. no idea it could have been an absolute shambles it could have been awful but thankfully it wasn't and you know mm. now we're here and that's the other thing about these movies right is the Snyder Bros, I think, seem to go into the DCU camp as well and are very kind of like, oh, you're just an MCU fanboy. Oh, you don't, you're not smart enough for the D- the Warner Brothers. No, the DCU movies are bad, most of them. Listen, Marvel doesn't always get it right. There are some stinkers in the MCU. Yeah. But, yeah. but as fans, I think it, they were more accepting of that. Mm. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. When I went into this movie, again, I wasn't going in thinking like, I don't like DC, I like Marvel. I was just thinking... I like superheroes. I love Batman. Yeah. I love Superman. I love Absolutely. Batman, yeah. Put them on the big screen. Let's go. And I was crushed by how terrible this movie was. I love the Richard Donner Supermans. Yeah. I love agree. those Superman sounds a weird thing to say, but the Superman movies. Mm-hmm. And I even like Superman 3. No one likes Superman 3 apart from <laughs> Superman 4. Superman 4 is rubbish. Yes, that's true. Uh, but I like Superman 3. I, I think mm. I'm the only person on the planet who likes Superman 3. You know, and 
so this should be right up my street mm. but it's it's not it's not it's just bad and yeah i don't want to i don't want to go on forever but final thought uh, harley final thought mm-hmm. how do you want to finish it would you recommend it will you ever go back oh no never no and i i say to people like if if you're curious if for whatever reason you've avoided seeing this movie just keep it that way it's it's two and a half hours of your life you will not get back Perfect. and this fr- this franchise is probably going to die a death anyway so don't worry about it this episode is brought to you by tinder you matched chatted vibe checked now it's time to meet irl so what's stopping you Tinder is making dating safer and easier with their excellent safety features. Like Share My Date, the best way to let your friends know your plans. While Moonlight allows you to discreetly call emergency services. And Are You Sure will prompt people to think twice before sending a potentially harmful message. Explore all of the possibilities for yourself. It starts with a swipe. Download Tinder today. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is a sequel that's better than you expected? So you kind of got dragged into seeing it. Okay. um, I'm going to cheat and have a prequel. And you can count the sequels as well. And I know these these films have come up on your show before. uh, And that is the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the recent movies. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Not expecting those to be as good as they are. Incredible. Especially that first one. I remember, I think, going to the cinema, I was intending to see Captain America. I think it was at the same time. And I think me and my buddy Will missed the screening. And we were like, oh, well, we're here now. We might as well go to the you know, go to the cinema. What else is on? Oh, yeah, I've heard about this Rise of the Planet Apes. It was quite good, actually. Andy Serkis, I like him. Yeah, all right, let's go. So went in, no expectations, don't have any affiliation with any of the previous movies. And I was just floored by how good it was. I mean, the movie makes you care about an ape. You know, yeah, they look good. And they look amazing. Yeah. And they only get better as the sequel films yeah, come yeah. along. And it's... It's a trilogy of movies that I absolutely adore now and my dad loves them as well. And like, again, the behind the scenes of all of that is fascinating. And as mm. a big standout moment in the cinema as well, in that first film, I remember vividly when um, when he first goes, no, in the cinema, everyone, yeah. it was a packed out screening and just everyone was like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> like you could feel the whole room just be like, what just happened? And it was brilliant. It was such a great moment in cinema. And yeah, they're amazing movies. And if people haven't seen them, Go and check them out. They're, they're all three, I think, are excellent. I think you can go into them not knowing about Planet of the Apes. As oh, well. absolutely. You don't need to know anything. Yeah. I mean, technically, no, they're right. all three are prequels, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Or reboots. Were you saying reboots? Yeah, kind of reboots. Or... Uh, could are be. They I mean, they, they're both. They're, they don't ignore, do they? No, because they, they, they take they place do... before, don't they? The events of yeah. Planet of the Apes. So it's. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, don't need anything. before and after. Yeah. So yeah, so, yeah they're sort of midquels, I guess. Mm. Because he takes off from Earth. Yeah, that's right. the Apes, he takes off from Earth when Earth is normal. Uh-huh. And then, you know, some sort of timey vortex he 
thing happens and then yeah. he crash lands back on the planet of the apes That's which you don't know spoiler. is earth <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry yeah. i'm spoiling a what 50 year old movie <laughs> I, do, I do you wonder. son of a bitch <laughs> is that like classic like, damn you damn you all the hell again you probably know it from the simpsons guys <laughs> yeah. it was earth after oh. all, <laughs> <laughs> you finally made a monkey. I could do this all day. <laughs> what is your dream sequel? Okay, so I had to think a lot about this one because I'm quite happy with most films just being standalone. You know, if they work, they work. It's cool. And then one that kind of just leapt out to me for some reason was School of Rock. I yeah. love this movie. It's, it's just one of my all-time favorites. I don't know about you guys. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love it. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Warm hug. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jack Black. I think mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. probably when the he kids dies. Are great. This is the one they're going to show clips oh, of. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is, it's the perfect vehicle for him, isn't it? This movie. It's just, it's fun. Yeah. It's silly. It's lighthearted. And it taps into my other great love in pop culture, which is music. You know, yeah. um, anyone who's met me for more than 10 seconds will know that I play the guitar. And that's a huge part of my life. And, it was around this age when this film came out that I was learning and I was getting into rock and metal. And so this was like tailor-made for me when it came out as a kid and I loved it. And the more I go back to it, the more I just love it. Cause as you say, Dave, it's just a warm hug. just a nice yeah, movie. So in terms of, you know, following it up, I had to think Where about this. Go? Yeah. I think I'd want to keep it in the same sort of vein of the previous movie. And that when you watch the first film, it's really low stakes. It's a really mm. simple film. You know, it's essentially the story of a washed up, rock star in air quotes who wants to actually become a rock star and of course he learns along the way that you don't need to be you know and the movie yeah. ends with what i think is one of the best end credits of any film ever where uh, they're just yeah, yeah. they're just jamming out to you know long way to the top by acdc and it's great and you know uh jack black's dewey finn and mike white's ned schneebly are teaching music and they're just you know they've got that light they've got that back in them again yeah. i'd want to pick up i love ned schneebly Oh, he's the so best good. Name. I mean, <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I mean, Mike, Mike White's writing on this is fantastic. And so for a sequel, I think I just want to keep it low stakes again. In, in a sort of elevator pitch, it would essentially be a get the band back together kind of story. That's okay. what I'd want to do. So I think you'd pick up with Dewey and, and uh, Ned, have them essentially in the same kind of place as where you left off. Like they're teaching music, they're having a great time. They're, they, you know, they're, they're fine, they're stable. There's, I don't want uh, Dewey to go backwards and suddenly become mm. want to become a rock star again. Like, no, just leave him where he is. He's happy. But I also think what I would then do is tap into the YouTube community of, of guitar players. So for anyone who doesn't know, the YouTube community uh, for guitar players is huge. It's absolutely massive. And I feel like Dewey Finn as a character would fit really nicely in that world. Like, he's kind of out there. He's, he's Jack Black. You know, he's full of energy and fun. And, you know, yeah. you can see him doing that kind of thing. And so I thought, well, why not have him, you know, teaching music, doing his YouTube channel, and then maybe one day someone finds out and goes, oh, is this you? And, like, sends him a video of, of him playing the song Teacher's Pet with all the kids on stage. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, sweet, you know, and then asks if he can use it, puts it on his channel. It gets some traction, you know, people see it. and go, Oh, this is really cute. I love this. It goes a little bit viral. And then from there, like, one of the kids could maybe see it later on like they're all adults now and it just leaves a comment it's like oh that was fun you know hope you're doing all right and just from there you kind of it gives him the impetus to think oh i should reach out to these people and i was thinking maybe he could reach out to zach you know the the guitar player because something that happens in the original film with that character is you know he's he kind of rallies against his parents a little bit because he wants to play music and 
his parents are sending him to a you know prep school for crying out loud. Like they clearly want him to be well off and music's just a hobby. And I think like, pull on that thread, you know, have him meet up and sort of ask how he's getting on and be like, oh, you still playing music? He could be like, oh, not really. You know, I haven't touched it in 10 years and I'm in some boring corporate job, but you know, it's, it is what it is. And, and maybe that gives him the impetus then, Dewey Finn's character to be like, yeah, I wonder how the others are doing. And just have him go around and sort of catch up with all of them again and, and want to bring them back together. And again, it's not about you becoming a rock star and like, I'm going to make you all rich and famous. It's just, you've all lost your way a little bit with creativity, forgotten what it means yeah. to, well, to, we know to enjoy that. that. Yeah, 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 we, we all do, yeah. right? And, and so that's, yeah. that's what I mean. It's, it's tapping into that side of the story and have them just get together again and, and just play to really uh, what the original film's all about. Put on one great rock show and just yeah. have it be about that. And from there, you know, you could give all the little characters little threads. Because in the movie, it's something that stands out to me every time I rewatch it is most of these kids get like a mini arc. You know, they get like mm. a little thing to overcome whether it's yeah. self-confidence, body image issues come up in this movie. You know, there's stuff about identity and parents. And it does the whole don't do drugs kids in this movie. But, well, you know, there's all mm-hmm. of that stuff you can talk about. And you can bring that into this movie and sort of just mature it up a little bit for people that will now all be adults. Yeah. Would you uh, keep Richard Linklater as the director? Which is, this mm. is the most un-Richard Linklater film. Yeah, it, it really is. is. But I feel <laughs> like... It surprises me every time I'm like, oh, fuck, this is the guy that does Sunset films and I know. Days of Confused and Boyhood. It's really random that this is set I, in his... If he'd, if he'd be up for it, I think, yeah. It would be nice to have that touch. And again, like I think Mike White should team up with Jack Black and write it because they know the characters, they know the feel. Yeah. And mm. it would just be simple and you know, have that same tone absolutely have you seen a movie called still crazy no there's a british movie called still crazy and it's basically about getting a band back together oh, getting yeah? an old an old 70s rock band back together the cast is awesome by the, the way. cast is incredible Ooh. it's got bill nye timothy spall jimmy nail wow <laughs> like, I yeah it's up. such a yeah, it's a really good, it it's a really funny. good light movie. But cool. it, just when you describe about getting the band mm. back together, it sounds really kind of like a similar kind of thing. Yeah, and the thing is you can recast as well because, I mean, most of these kids didn't really do anything after this. Like, I think a lot of them shied away from wanting yeah, to be actors. The, and sadly, the drummer's, the drummer's dead, yeah. dead. I was yeah. going to say, that's the only one I wouldn't recast. So you're absolutely right. Uh, let me find Freddie Freddy Jones, uh, yeah. Kevin alexander Clark. yeah. He, yeah, sadly passed away, as you say. I think it was a hit and run from what I read, which is just heartbreaking. But yeah, and I think, yeah, you, you know, you could dedicate the movie to him, absolutely. And I think for that, you can address that in the film as well. You can have it yeah, as he's trying yeah. to get them back and he's like, oh, where's Freddie? And, and they can be like, well, you haven't heard? And, yeah, yeah, you know, have mm. him address that loss. And so for a drummer, maybe you could, I don't know, cast somebody who is a drummer and have them sort of say, oh, yeah, he taught me lessons. You know, Dave Grohl. Oh, <laughs> my goodness, yeah. But, like, you could, seriously, you could, you could actually have, you know, find out that he's the one that kept the dream alive, who was teaching music and was out there gigging and, and sort of pay tribute to him in that way, you know, I think would be really yeah. sweet. Have you seen, because the, they have done a few little reunions, gigs to charity mm. on YouTube, and yeah. they still look like they're having the best time they are. on stage I, when they're all together. You know, if you want to bring some of them back and cameo in it, and I think would be really sweet. And, you know, you, you could tap in as well to, like like I said earlier, the YouTube community is huge. You know, you mm. could put on a show and just have it like as like an online festival that these guys were putting together. And I'm sure if you reached out to that community and said like, hey, do you want to be in a School of Rock sequel? Like vast majority would be like, yeah, all right, I'll cameo. And, you know, and again, sort of in the tone of the previous movie, just it's light, it's fun. It's not about anyone becoming rich and famous or anything like that. It's just about people getting together, 
being creative and just remembering to enjoy that side of life. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Thank Would you. Would you have Joan Cusack? Would you bring her back in a, a cameo role? Absolutely, yeah, totally. I love her in the original. Totally. Again, yeah. like some of them bring them back you know sarah silverman i think is hilarious like oh, yeah, she, yeah like it's, it's, it's a good cast so again you could bring all these people back um if again if they wanted to do it and yeah have them cameo have them have a role like, if you think it would work absolutely and would you put that now or would it a few years ago or i would i'd do it now future i think you could do it present day absolutely um i mean even yeah uh, i suppose i haven't thought about this but I, I guess off the back of the pandemic you know gigs are back and people are wanting to be out could be even a bit more of an impetus to say like yeah let's yeah, yeah, put yeah. on a show you know let's let's do something about this and yeah you could just have it yeah you could have that feed into it i guess lovely that, have you ever seen the stage musical <laughs> no i've watched a couple of the performances on youtube and like yeah look, they're having fun i think it's, the guy it's... does mimics jack black quite well the, mm. the, the guys from the uk yeah uh, yeah and i enjoyed it and the kids could all play and i was like why am i not that good at any instrument <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sat here with five guitars next to me, and yeah, I must admit, every time I watch little Zach shred away on stage, I'm like, I need to practice yeah. more. <laughs> I was reading the goof pages today. Oh, which yeah. Which is the most pathetic thing you've ever read on IMDb. Oh, I and love like, it. At, at this point, they're not holding the guitar, but the music is still playing. At this point, <laughs> the drums are going, but Freddie's clearly sitting there. I said, come on, mate. Just I, kids you know play what? music, it's great. I will say as well, like um, for commentaries on DVDs, I think the first one has one of the best commentaries I've ever listened to. because it's uh, Who it's, is it? It's with all the kids. It's cast. Oh, right. It's so oh. sweet hearing them talk about what it was like to film it and like how much they enjoyed it. And you know, like I said, most of them were uh, not actors. They were brought on just because they could play instruments. And yeah, yeah, it's really cool listening to them all talk about that and, you know, all the different artists that they were emulating and stuff like that it was yeah it's really cool it's a really fun listen it really came out of nowhere as well school of rock i remember it came out yeah. i think we we're at uni rich and it was like nothing was really known about it like, oh jack no, black yeah. wasn't a massive name then no um, no it was reasonable i think it wasn't huge mm. tenacious d hadn't come along or anything like that that at that point had well they, we've had we like, had tribute by then uh, yeah we? i was gonna say I, th okay. I think they had their first album definitely out by that had point. tribute oh no we had yeah you're right yeah tribute is before uni wasn't it so mm -hmm. probably a bit bigger than i was thinking but no you're absolutely right yeah he was i think at that time kind of a lesser known entity but this this film just works perfectly for him as a vehicle it's just mm. Yeah, yeah I, I honestly think it's his best role. I think I agree with you guys, like, should the day ever come where he passes that, yeah, that would be on the memorial tributes everywhere, I think. Just be a clip of him just rocking out. And yeah, rock. absolutely. Or High Fidelity, when he starts singing High Fidelity, you worry, think he's going to be a bad singer. That's the first time I saw Jack Black. <laughs> oh, like, okay. Oh, my God. Is, and then he, the Marvin Gaye rocks up and he's like, <laughs> yeah, he, he's fucking brilliant. And that's... <laughs> And then since then, you, you like you keep your eye on mm. Jack Black, like back in 2000 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. 2001? Anyway, love that film yeah. as well. I think he's a genius. Mm. He makes me laugh incredibly hard. Yeah. And I again, I feel like if you approached him with a good script and a, a simple idea like this and said, like, hey, do you want to do it? Well, I'm sure I think we can. Yeah, sure yeah. We can just... Why not? Let's yeah. just pitch it. Jack, Jack, Jack Black, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Those were Harley Mumford's Unequal Sequels. What a lovely podcast. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Always love chatting to Harley. Love his podcast. He's he's one of the good ones out in that podcasting world yeah, he that is. we've met. Uh, and we've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while. We're like, 
Yeah, you can come on. We can. <laughs> I reckon you've got some strong opinions. And boy, did he have some strong opinions. Oh, yeah, definitely. Some good picks, though, I think. Some really yeah. good choices. So, yeah, some really good choices there. Best of was uh, Blade Runner 2049, which is mwah, yeah. art. It's beautiful. I love it. You wholeheartedly agree. You think it's better than the original? I yeah. do, yes. Yeah. yeah. Not even by a little bit, by quite a step yeah quite I mean, quite distance you're wrong but fair, fair enough <laughs> i respect everyone's decision and choices but um it's just a wonderful film it's just everything that cinema should be yeah it's um, a great film not just from the acting but from the the art design the costumes the visual effects the storytelling you know the music it's just otherworldly it's just it's better than anything pretty much there is been before or ever be again it's oh i love it i love it i think it's brilliant i think it's a brilliant film and thank you for harley for picking it yeah come crashing down from that to his worst whoa i think that is the longest rant we've had about a worse sequel Mm. i'm not gonna go on the record for that but editing it i thought wow this is (laughs) uh Harley's got been keeping this in for a while, and we could have spoken for so much longer about that film. There's so much, uh, I don't want to say wrong with it, but there's so many talking points. Yeah, true. Um, that it could have got out of control, and taming him and keeping him under control was my <laughs> job in that. And you didn't help. Well, it's rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> it it's truly awful. And then back up again to his dream sequel. Yeah. Like like I said, warm hug of a film, really. School of Rock. And cracking ideas for a sequel, too. Like, I'd I'd like to see that come back. A reunion, getting the band back together always works, doesn't it? That's right in, I think, right in my, like, will, like, wheelhouse, my, Mm. you know, how to really get me to be interested in stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. That would get me, my juices flowing. Lovely, yeah. And if you felt like you got a warm hug from this podcast and it's the first time you've listened, maybe go back and listen to some of our other episodes with some of our other guests. Maybe you're a big Harley fan, which I'm sure there's loads of people out there who are. Big fans of Fundamentals podcast, which is amazing. But yeah, go back and listen to some of our other episodes with some of our other guests and even some of our extra episodes where we get really upset about Jurassic World Dominion, for example. You can, while you're doing that, if you like what you hear, click the little subscribe button and we'll drop into your inbox every every week at least. And sometimes twice a week when we're when we're doing our seasons. But yeah, if you want to send us a message about something you've listened to on the podcast that you like, you want to tell us we're wrong about something, or you want to stick up for some of the bad movies we mentioned, then t- contact us on Twitter. We are at unequal sequel or Instagram, also at unequal sequel, or you can send us an email, unequal sequel at hotmail.com. If whilst you're there doing the doing the subscribing, you fancy giving us a little like, then please do that. Give us a little heart. Give us a five-star review. We do love le- reading the little reviews. They are wonderful. I just want to say, go listen to Harley's podcast, the Fundamentals podcast. Each episode is different. Someone picks a special subject that they love and they talk about. It's really interesting, really di- uh, different, really full of passionate people, really interesting. We've been on it. We've talked about podcasting. We did, yeah. It was very meta. <laughs> it was. As the kids would say. <laughs> I just also got to say thank you for listening. If you have listened or plan to listen or download, thank you for that. I've got nothing else to say. Have you got anything else to say, Rich? No, that's me. Okay, so it is a arrivederci from me. Nice. And a goodbye from him. Bye. You guys have an absolutely rocking week, okay? Bye.